0: Frankie Mazepica. Thank you for tuning in today. The title of the message is A Surprise in the Synagogue. Jesus was teaching just like I'm teaching right now. And all of a sudden, somebody who is who was possessed with an unclean devil, all of a sudden shouts out, completely interrupts Jesus, shouts out Leave us alone. We know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Now before we get too far into the narrative, let's point out those words, an unclean devil. Now when I read it, I thought to myself, are there clean devils that I don't know about? because an unclean devil coming from hell is not a surprise to me i'm assuming everything that's in hell is unclean but as i started thinking about it a little bit more i was reminded of this scripture in 2 corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 where it says that satan often shows up as an angel of light Now, what's the difference between an angel of light and an unclean devil? Well, an angel of light will show up and present sin as if it is not a sin. Uh, He'll show up and present something that's unrighteous and present it to you as if it's righteous. The, The best example is in the Garden of Eden Uh, A snake, Satan, shows up and presents it, presents the opportunity as if it's a holy opportunity. The serpent says to Eve, don't you want to have knowledge like God? Don't you want to know the difference between good and evil? In Eve, yes, I do want to know the difference. And so all of a sudden, then eat the fruit. Okay, I'll take two. Um, it, It was presented as a holy thing. It was presented as a righteous thing. This is often how Satan shows up. I was talking to a guy years ago. And he was presenting his case that it was okay to have two wives. He said in the Bible, in the Old Testament, people had multiple wives. And when Jesus came along, he never said anything different. Therefore, it's still okay. My first thought was, you do know that if you have two wives, you're going to have two mother-in-laws. You do know that, right? Like, they come together. It's a package deal. But, but nevertheless, he was insistent. And so, you know, I felt like he was believing something was righteous, even though it wasn't. He failed to get into First Timothy chapter 3, where it says that a holy man should only have one wife. But people like him would push back and say, well, First Timothy chapter 3 was written by Paul, and Jesus never said it, and I'm not going to believe anything that Jesus doesn't say. Some people will say, I only believe what's in the New Testament. I don't believe what's in the Old Testament or vice versa. See, they begin to grab a hold of what they call to be truth, even though it's not. This is when the angel of light is showing up and begins to twist truth. But that's very different than an unclean spirit. An unclean spirit doesn't even try to present something as godly. An unclean spirit, when he enters into a man or enters into a woman, everything about them is filthy. The way they think is filthy. The way they speak is filthy. The things that they do are obscene. This was the man that was in the synagogue. He's shouting out to Jesus, I know who you are. Leave us. Get out. Now, it's interesting if if I wanted to chase a rabbit, and I'm going to do the best I can not to, there was a man in church who was filled with the devil. It just makes you go, hmm, right? And not only was he filled with the devil, but he with his words, he was acknowledging Jesus as the Holy One. And so now we've got a situation where a guy is going through the motions. He's acting like... A, a, a christian but as soon as he, jesus comes in he gets radically upset and so he says get out of here now this is just frankie's interpretation i feel like the devil was saying i'm a letting the man come to church and i'm letting the man say all the right things leave us alone What more do you want? I'm letting him go through the motions. See, Satan is okay with a man coming to church just as long as he gets to own his heart. Satan is okay with going through religious motions just as long as he gets to manage his selfish desires when he's outside of the church. He doesn't mind someone going through the motions. I remember the first time I had an encounter with someone who was going through the motions and I didn't even know it. I had a friend of mine that was in church with me and um, he worshiped right next to me when we were both in church together. One night I was talking to him, it was late at night, and um, uh, while I was talking with him he was telling me something that was going on in his life and I said back to him, I really believe that If you pray, if you seek God and you ask him to help you, he will help you. I really believe that. And with the most evil voice I have ever heard in my life, he said back to me, I don't need your Jesus. It was like my skin crawled the minute I heard that because it was his voice, but it had evil in it. And then all of a sudden he said, I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. I fell asleep for a second. Did I say something? And I was like, no, you did not, but I got to go. <laughs> right? I was like, end call. I'm out of here. Decline. Delete. Delete name out of phone book. Like, whoa. He was going through the motions, but God, Satan had control of his evil desires. See, it's very difficult to tell when somebody is really a child of God and when they're not. But John wrote in 1 John 3, verse 10, he says this, We can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. For those who do not practice righteousness and do not love other believers are not children of God. The only time we can see how committed a person is to their walk and their relationship with God is when their personal desires have conflict with the scriptures. When their personal desires is different from the desires of God, who does that person go with? That's usually when the angel of light shows up and says, your personal desires are holy. It's okay to say behind someone's back that they have a big mouth because they do. It's okay to say that somebody's greedy because they do. All you're doing is telling the truth. This is when the angel of light shows up. You'll feel the Holy Spirit, not in these exact words, but remind you of Scripture Such as Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 where it says, Do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth except what makes another person stronger. It won't be in those exact words if you've never memorized that scripture before. Because the Holy Spirit brings back to your remembrance what you've already put in. But if you haven't put that in, he'll use different words just to remind you. That children of God do not talk about people behind their back. Children of God do not rip on people. Children of God do not insult people. But an angel of light will show up and say, it's okay to say it if it's true. Are you with me? Say yes. Come on, let me hear you. Are you with me? Shout yes. All right. So all of a sudden, Jesus does something phenomenal. He always does. He looks at the person but speaks to the devil. He looks at the devil and he says, shut up. Actually, he says, silence. Frankie would have said, shut up. That was the Frankie International Version. You can get it online. But he he says, silence. And then he says, leave him. And he leaves. I love that Jesus did not look at the man and say, you sinful bum. What have you been doing? you've been living like the devil what is wrong with you he didn't condemn him and let that encourage you right now because when you think about thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself just know that's straight from the pit of hell when you say to yourself I should be worshipping more I, I should be memorizing scriptures more and because I'm not then I'm just a complete loser I may as well not even go to church I know God is mad at me because I'm mad at me That is straight from the pit of hell. God does not talk to you that way. What God understands is that we are living in a world where we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is Ephesians 6.12. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities in an unseen world, in a parallel world. We can't grab them, we can't touch them, we can't see them, but they're right here against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. See, Jesus did not yell at the man because the man was not the enemy. Satan was the enemy. When we forget who we're fighting against, we are liable to fight against everybody and anyone. But when you know that it's not the people that you're looking at that is causing you stress, they are not provoking you. There's a spirit in the room that's trying to provoke you. You know it's a spirit when you leave the presence of the person that's trying to provoke you and you get in your car and you're talking to them for the next hour in your head. They're not in the car, but you're talking to them in your head. Sometimes that'll go for days, and you'll even prepare for the next conversation with them. You'll have your sentences in your position ready to go the next time you see them. This is an evil spirit antagonizing you and causing conflict in your life. Sometimes it's not conflict, sometimes it's stress. Sometimes it's anxiety especially in 2020 when there's so much going on there's so many things going wrong it is natural to fall down the rabbit hole of anxiety it's it's easy to do that but just know this while you, there's a difference between what is natural to be concerned but then to be consumed is unnatural It's unnatural to be consumed and fall into that rabbit hole of anxiety. Sometimes I'll say to myself when anger is starting to get to me or concern or anxiety or worry or fear, I'll say to myself and I'll say to God, God. Every time I have those thoughts about that person or about that thing, immediately I'm going to start praising you about something that I love about you. What will end up happening is those spirits will say... This is a bad idea. Every time we start provoking him, every time we start bringing anxious thoughts towards her, she starts worshiping God. We need to come up with a different plan. And you will notice everything that's making you anxious, everything that's bringing fear and anxiety and worry and shame will begin to leave you as you worship him. Do you receive that? Shout yes. One, two, three. Yes. Yes. Now, something interesting happens whenever he says, silence, leave. The man became okay the minute he addressed the devil. One of my heroes is a man I've never met before. His name is Dr. Younggi Cho or Pastor Younggi Cho. He pastors a church in South Korea, the largest church on the planet. He's got more than a million members and he received a phone call from a husband and wife in whom he married them. He, over, he, he officiated their wedding. He got a call from them and they said, You blessed our wedding. Now we want you to come over our house and bless our divorce. Do not come over and counsel us. Don't try to talk us out of it. We want you to bless our divorce. So he received the message and he felt compelled to go to their house as requested. But he got on his hands and knees and he said, Lord, I know that this is not of you. And he kept praying until he could visualize them happy again. And once he saw them happy in his mind and in his heart, he told the Lord, God, do this. Do what I see in my heart. Do what I see in my mind. And so he showed up, he rang the doorbell, the door opens, and the woman just started ranting straight away. And the more he listened to the woman, the more convinced he became that it was the man's fault. But then she ran to the bedroom after she was done ranting, and the man came into the living room and started talking to him. And the more the man talked, the more convinced he became that the man was right and the woman was wrong. Then he didn't know what to do. And so he said, I want both of you to come back into the living room. And he sat on the couch. He said, put both of your hands in mine. And he put his hand on top of theirs. And he began to pray. He said, Jesus, let your spirit come into this home. Let your spirit touch their hearts. And no sooner than he said that, he felt a tear hit the top of his hand. He opened up his eyes and he saw the woman was crying. And he thought to himself, this is good. So he closed his eyes and kept on praying. And then he felt more tears hit his hand and he opened up his eyes and the man was crying. The Holy Spirit was removing hearts of stone and replacing them with a heart of flesh. This is something that we read about in Ecle- I'm sorry, uh, Ezekiel 36, 26, where he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will remove the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. See, when we fight against people, we forget who our enemy is. Jesus was laser focused on who the enemy was. This was why he was able to save souls and rebuke the devil at the same time. If you forget who the devil is, you'll never be able to save a soul. Are you with me? Say yes. The devil is out to John 10.10. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. If you see a marriage falling apart, if you see finances falling apart, if you see happiness begin to fall apart, the this is an indication that the snake has creeped into the garden. This is an indication that there's an enemy in the garden, and you have to back up and don't yell at people. Don't yell at people. Keep your eye on who your enemy is. Now, just before the scene was over, there was this moment while I was reading where it dawned on me that the man who was possessed with the devil, he didn't do anything heroic to be freed from this demonic force. Jesus did everything by himself. There are times, in fact, in the book of John, in every single case where there was a miracle, he told them to do something in order to receive their miracle. Their act of obedience ignited the miracle. But in this particular situation, the man who was possessed by the devil was not capable of responding in an act of obedience. He wasn't capable because the spirit had taken control of his mind. The spirit had taken control of what he was saying. The spirit had taken control of his entire life. So what he was desiring, he was not capable of making happen. He was not capable of an act of obedience to ignite a miracle. He wasn't capable. Jesus did everything himself. See, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, it says that God has invited you into partnership with himself. So in most cases, when you read the scriptures, miracles happen in partnership between God and man. But God understands that there are certain seasons that you and I will go through. Well, there's nothing that we can do and there's nothing that we can contribute to get us out of this season into the season we long for. There's nothing that we can do. On a personal level, I envision and I dream about a certain type of relationship between me and the Lord. Moses talked to God face to face like a friend talks to a friend. And I whisper to God, I want that kind of relationship. When I study about Enoch, he walked with God. He didn't do anything great that we can tell that scriptures reveal. The only thing that was significant about his life was that he walked with God. And I whisper to the Lord all the time, I don't need to do anything significant. I just want to walk with you. But when I look at myself and where I am right now and where Moses and Enoch are at, I'm like, I cannot bridge that gap. I cannot bridge that gap. Maybe what I just described is also a reflection of your desire. Where the things that you desire from God and where you are right now, the gap is just so big. Or maybe it's your marriage the gap is so big. Maybe it's your finances of what you have coming in and what is going out the gap is too big. Let this story encourage you out of Luke chapter 4. Let it encourage you because in the seasons where the gap is too big, where you are not capable of making a contribution, do what the man did. He only did one thing right. He went into the presence of God. He was in his presence. He showed up to the synagogue. He showed up to church. Sometimes the only right thing we can do is the most important thing we could do. And that's to get on our knees and say, God, I need you. It is so interesting that Satan will fight with more fury against your time with the Lord than anything else. He will fight against that appointment more than anything else. What appointment am I talking about? A few years ago, I told God, I need to pray on a more consistent basis. And when I do pray, I need, it, I need more to get done during that time with you than ever before. I started realizing that I needed to treat my appointment with God the same way I treat appointments with people. Nine out of ten appointments that I have during the week with an individual got made the day before. Sometimes it's three days before. Sometimes it's a week before. So I decided I'm going to start treating my appointment with God the same way I treat my appointment with people. So before I go to sleep at night, I pick the hour or the two hours or whatever, how that I pick a spot in my day, an appointment in my day that I'm going to spend time with God. Now, you know what's so interesting is 100% of the time, let's say my appointment with God is at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., 100% of the time, something really important is going to come up 10 minutes before my appointment with God. Something that's so important that it begins to bleed into my appointment, and then I'm a no-show for the appointment. 100% of the time, if we knew what takes place When we're on our knees, we wouldn't ever want to get off of our knees. If we knew God's plan for us, our own plan for ourselves wouldn't even matter. But it's not just the appointment that we need to hang on to. It's not just that. It's what happens between the appointments. Smith Wigglesworth said this, I don't always pray an hour a day, but an hour doesn't go by without me praying. It's this sense of knowing, this sense, if you're taking notes, write that down, sense of knowing that the Spirit of God is around you. In Acts 17, 28, it says, in him, in him we live and breathe and find our being. When we are aware that his presence is completely around us, that we are walking in in his presence. We stay connected to God. It's the times where we forget about him that we lose the intimacy with him. We got to stay connected. That man only did one thing right, and that was to get into the presence of God. I think you and I can do that. Are you with me? Say yes. Come on, put your hands together. We can at least do that. I can't be perfect but I can get into the presence of God. Uh, you know, um, in uh, in January, we're starting something that we had never done before. Uh, we're going to start a discipleship track and it's going to be on the second Sunday of every month. And there's going to be 12 of them because there's 12 months in a year. But The reason why I'm starting this track is it became apparent to me that I have done a poor job discipling adults. And you may say, Frankie, you do it every single Sunday. Well, yes and no. On Sunday, I have two goals. To save the lost and build the believer to move a believer one or two steps forward. And if there's anybody in this room that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's my number one goal. But the trouble is, is that in order to move you one step further or to save someone who is lost, we don't always have the time to talk about the more mature areas of Christianity. What do I mean by mature areas? In Hebrews chapter six, verse one, it says, do not continue to teach the elementary teachings of God. Don't continue to do that. But be taken forward to maturity By not laying down the foundation, there's six, by not laying again the foundation of faith, repentance, baptisms. Did you know that there's more than one baptism? Did you know there's more than two baptisms? By not laying again the foundation of laying on of hands. It actually says the doctrine of laying on of hands. By talking about the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. What I just described, those are elementary teachings according to Hebrews chapter six, verse one. Now, you might be sitting in here going, If that's elementary, I'm in trouble because I don't know what you just talked about. Well, don't feel bad. The reason why you don't know what I'm talking about is because I haven't done a good job teaching you. And so if there's people in the room that don't know what the elementary things are, how are you ever going to know what the deeper things are if the pastor isn't even teaching the elementary things? Now, your calling from God is the Great Commission. It's Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Make disciples, baptize people in his name, and teach everything that he has commanded. How well are you doing sitting down with two or three people and discipling them? Chances are you're doing as good of a job as I am discipling you. So you don't feel confident in your knowledge base to sit down and disciple someone because your pastor hasn't done a good job giving you the knowledge. and So I beat myself up over that for about an hour. And I'm like, okay, enough of that. Come up with a plan. And so starting in January, we'll have a track just for adults that we're taking so serious that if you want to be a prayer partner, Deborah, it's so good to see you, Um, I'm really happy that your husband's Kansas City Chiefs are doing so well. He's been waiting a long time for that. Um, But I'm sorry. It was an ADD moment. If you want, thank you. If, If you want to be a prayer partner or if you are a prayer partner, you have to go to the track. Otherwise, you don't get to be a prayer partner anymore. But if you don't want to be a prayer partner... But you want to take the track, then you can take the track. The track is the second Sunday of every month, starting in January, immediately following the third service, I'll teach on things that I can't teach on a Sunday morning. I can't teach, number one, because I don't have enough time. Number two, my goal on a Sunday morning is what I already said, save the lost and move the believer at least one or two steps forward. But to make disciples, that's a whole different ballgame. And so my commitment to you is to continue for Sunday morning to be a place where we come together in one mind and one accord. Because Acts chapter 2 tells us what happens when we do that. But it's also my commitment to you that in 2021, to build a discipleship track at the end of the third service, we'll feed you lunch, we'll feed your kids lunch, we'll have childcare. But if you're gonna jump in the track, you have to commit to to attend eight out of the 12. If you're not willing to come to eight out of the 12, then let someone else have your seat. The goal will be to do the best job I can do to disciple you in the things of God so that you are ready to disciple someone else. Everyone will have to answer the question in order to be a part of the track. How are you going to disciple someone else? How? How are you going to do that? If you can't answer the question, then you're not ready to be in the track. Hopefully the answer will be this. I'm committing to grabbing two or three people and meet at the kitchen table in my house or the picnic table at the park or the fireplace in my backyard and I will invest into two or three people. You say, well, two or three is not a lot of people. Well, Jesus only did 12 and you're nowhere close to Jesus. So I think three is a really good and, and I might aim for two, but you understand what I'm saying? We have to disciple, but when you disciple them, they have to make a commitment to you that at the end of a certain amount of time, they need to go grab their own two or three. And if they're not willing to commit to you on two or three, then you don't commit to them. And let's start getting laser focused on that great commission because this is embarrassing, but building a church is not part of the great commission. It doesn't say build a big church, make disciples, (laughs) baptize people, and teach them everything. There's not four. Where does the church come into play? Well, in Acts, it says, meet at the temple and meet in homes. One cannot replace the other. Why am I so passionate about this now? Because if you look across the country, churches are shutting down left and right because of COVID. COVID. Half of our congregation has not come back because of COVID. The reality is this. Brick and mortar are not going anywhere. But the demand of the priesthood of every believer is higher than it's ever been before. There's going to be more miracles taking place on the sidewalk. There's going to be more miracles taking place on the sidewalk than in the sanctuary. And so if you're waiting for your hour to step up, congratulations, it's here. It's here. Now, one last thing. We're not going to call you. You call us if you want to be a part of the track. It starts on the second Sunday. I think it's the 10th, second Sunday of January. Everybody stand your feet for me, please. This is the moment of the service where... I hope and I long and I pray that the Lord heals people's body. That he doesn't just heal people's body, but he heals their heart. Some of you, you don't need a physical healing. You need a new heart. You're you're here. This is for somebody in the room. You came to church today because there's someone you love who needs a new heart. That's the miracle you need. I'd like our prayer partners to come down in this, down here. And if everybody would just put their hands up like this, just for a moment. Put your mind's attention on the Lord. I want you to tell him what's in your heart right now. I want you to tell him what's in your heart. You tell them what's in your heart. Lord, we love you, Jesus. If you need a healing in your body, I believe there's a healing spirit in this room. I want you to come out of your seat as fast as you can and find a prayer partner down here. Come out as fast as you can. There's a healing anointing in this place. During the second service, I was praying for a gentleman, praying for his knee, and he started telling me how hot it was getting. There's a healing anointing in this place. Come down here as quickly as you can. Not high that you'll get healed. Don't worry about it. There's people down here. They have faith that you'll get healed. You can lean on theirs. If there's anything else you need from the Lord, I want you to come down and take the hand of a prayer partner. There's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. But let's worship the Lord one time through before anybody goes. Is that all right? May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. May his face be turned towards you. May the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.